0: Hello, village, and welcome to another episode of Raising Healthy Kids Part 2. I'm here with my ladies, like always, Kira Kelly. Hey. Kristen Scraggins. Hi, ladies. I'm Gis Marie Ramos. And who do we have with
2: us, Kira, again? This morning, we are so blessed to have Sydney, me, in the house. And she is just schooling both the older, more mature moms, as well as the younger moms about how to raise healthy children. And we're just so grateful to have her with us today. And we just want to encourage the moms out there that... God cares about our bodies. He created us. He knitted us in our mother's womb. Mm -hmm. He created us so unique, each one of us. And we really want to take time to focus on how each one of us are designed differently and how God wants us to treat these bodies that he has gifted us with. Because he specifically says in his words that our bodies are the temple of his Holy Spirit. So we want to encourage moms out there. We want to listen and learn and ask questions. And one of the things that we focused on in the first episode that I think we need to really hit home is that With nutrition, we have to make sure that we are consulting with our professionals, with our pediatricians. So we're going to just delve right into our older kiddos. Oh, yeah. So even if you have a toddler or a baby, trust me, it's coming. So listen (laughs) up. And um, we have a lot of good content this morning. So let's get started. Yeah. So
0: Sydney, metabolism and healthy growth nutritional requirements. How can we go about that with our teens, which is way different than we talked about in part one with babies and toddlers?
3: With kids, it's normal to see a big surge in appetite right before puberty. So that would be around 10 in girls and 12 in boys. And during that time, the body's caloric demands are more than any other time in our life. What, you're saying then they start eating more? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so boys, it's going to be around 2,800 calories a day. And girls, it's going to be around 2,200 calories a day. So bearing in mind that like what they're doing is their bodies are changing and they're growing. So probably we don't want to fuel that with French fries and chips, although (laughs) I'm sure that's like, you know, that would be their preferred method of fuel. Like one thing you can talk about with your kids is if you picture a race car and your body is a race car or a race car, we want to put the best fuel so that it can – be the most efficient in the fastest car. And that's the same thing with food, right? We want to fuel ourselves with the best food so that we can function the best we can. Some dietary pitfalls that we might see in teens is that adolescents tend to be a little bit short on their daily quotas of calcium, iron, zinc, vitamin D, and even magnesium. So if you are going to be giving them a multivitamin, I would make sure that it contains the full daily dosage of those nutrients. Just speaking about Supplements in general, remember that none of them are FDA approved. Generally, they're thought to be safe unless, you know, you are on prescription medication. Sometimes they can interact with those things. So I would ask your doctor about those. But ideally, we'd be eating healthy and not needing the supplements. But that's just something to consider with that.
1: Can I ask in relation to the metabolism and all of that with our teens, their dietary issues change, but – We didn't really ask you about this ahead of time, but I'm thinking about their sleep. Mm -hmm. Like that all goes together, right? Their nutrition, their sleep, because sometimes it's easy to start thinking, gosh, they're lazy bums. They just want to sleep all the
3: time. (laughs) But that's really not true, is it? Like talk to us about that. So sleep is huge. That's a basic function. Right. Like our basic needs are that we're fed and we sleep and we have safe shelter, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And, and good so, hi- good hygiene, good for the, for the teens. teens. <laughs> yeah. That's not for this talk, but
3: yeah, we'll, we'll have you back. <laughs> can't can't wait. Yes. Um adequate sleep keeps us healthier, we can fight infections for kids. That's when we grow. That's when our brain resets. So that helps our memory and our ability to learn in our moods. And and it does so much for us. And I mean, we can even feel that as most of us are adults operating on very little sleep. So I think we need to prioritize that for our families. Speaking nutritionally in relation to sleep is decrease sleep. That leads to poor eating habits, Mm -hmm. thereby
2: increasing weight. So that's something that we see in studies. Okay. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about maybe weight gain. What Mm -hmm. about weight loss? Moms being just really observant about what's going on with their kids. I have a friend right now. She has a teenage son and he was losing weight. And initially she went to the pediatrician. She said, well, it's probably just a stress, as you mentioned earlier. You know, when we see weight gain or weight loss with our children, you know, we may think, okay, it's stress. And especially with everything that's going on. And the mom said, well, you know, I don't think so, because it became a drastic amount of weight. At one point, it was 22 pounds. So, in a 15-year-old, he was losing 22 pounds is a lot. So, she took him back to the pediatrician and come to find out he does have, like, not an eating disorder, but he has a, he had a blockage so I would even encourage moms that mm-hmm. even with, you know, a lot of times we're focusing on if our kids are gaining weight, so even if our kids are losing weight, that we have to be their advocates for them. Because initially she was kind of brushed off and said, well, it's probably just his stress or he's probably not eating properly. But I'm so grateful that the mom persisted and said, well, no, this is not his norm. Mm-hmm. So moms out there, you know, look at your teens. It's not just the stress, It's maybe not just the lack of sleep, but really paying attention to what's going on with them.
3: A 22 pound weight loss is pretty alarming for me. I mean, my first thought would be, is there cancer there with that Mm -hmm. um, in kids? So, yeah, I mean, like I said before in the first episode, that can be the first indication that there could be something underlying physical going Mm -hmm. on or mental or emotional. So, that um, the growth
0: growth chart you were talking mm -mm, about, right? That's why mm -hmm. it's so important, right? Exactly. Can we go back real quick to the
1: dieting pitfalls? Because I think this is where a lot of parents struggle of what to do. So we talked a little bit about that, but just talk about, you know, some of the normal pitfalls in teens and how do we as moms help that, like skipping meals, snacking, and even skipping family meals. What do we do with all of that?
3: Yeah. So the first thing I would say is about 12 to 15% of adolescents are going to skip breakfast and-
0: Because they're sleeping or because they don't want to eat it? Lot Different reasons, (laughs) right?
3: And in skipping meals- it's not something that we want to do, especially in growing and developing bodies and brains. So, this can affect school performance and then the quality of your diet later on in the day. Because if you haven't eaten anything and then it's 11 o'clock and all of a sudden you're starving, what are you going to go for, especially if you're 15 years old? Bad right? Stuff, yeah. Bad stuff. So there was a longitudinal study, which means it was a study done over a period of years that showed that breakfast eaters had higher math grades and lower rates of psychosocial problems. Mm. So it is important. I know that, you know, sometimes it's okay to just go for whether it's like a protein shake or a protein bar or something in the morning, something quick, but it should be something. Another reason that we might skip meals is due to overscheduling. So if your kids have got school Mm. and then they have tutoring and then they have sports and then they have band and they're getting home at – you know, nine o'clock at night and needing to do homework, they're going to, like we talked about, have decreased sleep Mm -hmm. and maybe be snacking along the way and not filling up with the good stuff. Kristen, you mentioned family meals. There was a study of 16,000 kids from ages nine to 14. And it demonstrated that those that ate with their families had healthier diets overalls than those that didn't. And it also predicted a higher intake of fruits and vegetables into adulthood. So again, just like everything else, we're laying the foundation mm-hmm. with our kids for how they're going to be as adults. And I mean, it even just starts simply at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Snacking. We just talked about if you're overscheduled, you're just going to kind of eat on the go. Snacking normally, it's high calories, high in sugar, and in fact, we want to limit as much sugar as we can. We want to try to do less than 25 grams of sugar daily in kids over 2. And I would say there's really no place for soda with kids at all, or juice even. I mean, juice is around 20 to 30 plus grams of sugar per serving. And if I just said we want to limit it to 25 grams of sugar a day, you give them one glass of juice. And that's it. Mm. That's a lot. <laughs> and, you know, it used to be that we were taught juice counts as a fruit. Mm-hmm. No.
1: See, that was that 25 years ago. Oh, wow. I was going to say, yeah, Kristen, that was I you was and I. was loading mine up with apple juice. <laughs> but I was diluting it, just a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> that's just because it was cheaper to do it that way. Right. But yeah, Sydney, that's one. That's a case in point of
0: how things yeah, change. change. Yeah, Look, Kristen, she mentioned something that we've talked about before in other podcasts here in the Mom Village, like overscheduling and the importance of family time. Like, can you talk to our ladies really quick? Because we keep... Saying this over and over in our podcast, but we don't want to be just parrots saying it over and over, but we just want to emphasize the importance of quality meal time and not over scheduling and how important it is to say no sometimes because of the health of our families.
2: Yeah,
1: I think with our scheduling, relating it to nutrition and just this whole idea of raising healthy kids that, you know, body, soul, mind, and spirit all go together. Mm -hmm. And so if we are wearing our kids out physically, I can guarantee you we're wearing them out emotionally and spiritually too. and And so what if they're great at soccer, they're struggling, you know, emotionally or great job if they play fabulous an instrument, but they're suffering with sleep. So it's not that we don't want our kids to be high achievers or that we don't want to expose them to different things, but our kids can't do everything. And so we really have to look at our schedule and think, okay, what am I giving up emotionally, physically, sleep-wise, and all these things to have these programs? And maybe we just don't do all of them. And we figure out how are we going to limit our schedule. There's enough things in our day that we have to do. Mm-hmm. If we know that part of our priority needs to be sitting down together, looking our kids eyeball to eyeball, hanging out with them, encouraging them, having these meals, we may have to let some of this other peripheral stuff go, so that we can do a good job with the limited number of days that we have them. And in prioritize our
0: homes. what's yeah, important because not only in the n- nutritional aspect, but in the spiritual, because we want to set a good example and you know encourage our kids and our teens to go to church. You know, to just spiritually have a relationship with God, like what are we doing in family time? You know what are we doing for meal time? So I love all this information that Sydney is sharing. Mm-hmm. Maybe Chris and I because we have olders,
2: just kind of give the moms a foreshadowing that your schedule will change as your kids get older and mm-hmm. they are in different activities and sports and after school things that. I know when we had littles, you know, dinner was at a certain time Mm -hmm. and then we had bedtime. And I love that Kristen has often shared that she's had to push meals back if her boys were at football practice or something. But that was still a priority in Mm -hmm. their family. So moms just know that in the next coming years, that may be a change in your family dynamics of your time schedule. So just look forward to that. This is a marathon. You got a long way to go. (laughs)
0: I'm taking notes because we're going there, Sydney. Mm Yeah. Yeah. So Sydney, can you just kind of give
2: us some insight as we're talking about our teens and preteens growing and developing? Can we focus a little on that prepubescence season that will enter as moms and how can we as moms prepare ourselves? And also, how can we begin to prepare both our girls and our boys mm-hmm. for the changes that will occur in their bodies?
3: Yeah, that's a tough one, right? So <laughs> a couple of things on that. One I like to talk to kids about is that we're made in God's image but we're also all created differently and for a different purpose. So some of us are going to have long legs and some of us are going to have broader shoulders and some of us are short and some of us are really tall. And that's how we're designed to be. And as you're going through puberty, your body's going to be changing a lot and it can be awkward. And in some kids, it can be a little bit anxiety provoking because what's happening to me and my friends don't look like that or they look like this. And I think it's important to go back to that, that mm-hmm. like, you know, we don't need to compare ourselves to other people because we're all designed differently mm-hmm. and we're perfect in God's image. And, you know, we need to celebrate how we're made unique and special. Moms, moms. <laughs> Like, this comes back to us, dads too, but moms. Like, how are we thinking about ourselves? How mm-hmm. are we talking about ourselves in front mm-hmm. of our kids, right? Yeah, that's big. So, I'm guilty just as much as anybody else, but I do try, you know, when my kids ask me, why am I exercising or why am I running? I say, because I want to be really strong mm-hmm. and I want to feel better and i want to have more energy and i want to be healthy and because sometimes when i run if i'm feeling worried i feel less worried right it's not about because i you know want to look good in my clothes and truly actually at this point it's not that i Mm -hmm. mean the priority is just so that i'm healthy enough mentally and physically to take care of my Mm -hmm. family The other thing that I think we need to talk about with our kids, and this is not just for body image, but in anything, is what is real and what is not real on the internet, Mm -hmm. right? So on social media, I think we're mature enough to understand that everything has a filter and everything's edited And people are posting the best moment of their year or their month. And and even knowing that, I think sometimes subliminally we start to feel bad or inadequate about ourselves. And if you think about a preteen or a teenager who doesn't even know who they are yet, and they're Mm -hmm. developing a sense of self, and that's what they're seeing, and they're also very much in a stage of they want to be like everybody else, Mm -hmm. that can be horrible, to continually have these edited images in front of them, and it can make them feel like they're not good enough, so I think yeah. that's an important thing to discuss with our
0: kids and then I will say part of that that will help I don't have teens, but learning from you guys, Kristen, like the importance of community and finding a good family church and a good community that you can surround yourself with other teens, you know they're going through the same thing, but at the same time just. Getting that nurturing from scripture, you know, and Christ center foundation, you know, because you were talking about God's design and we all different, but we're God's image. Right, Kristen, what's the importance for those teens that we can encourage our moms? Hey, mom, you know, all these teens are going through all this, but this is the importance why we keep saying the same thing, how important community are.
1: We've talked a lot about how important it is, Sydney, for us to find some like-minded people to be friends with and to, you know, that's where where church family is so important because you're giving your children another voice in their life, Mm -hmm. telling them the right things. Because my goodness, what you've already mentioned, Sydney, through social media and TV and movies and all these other inputs, even sometimes at school. They're hearing the wrong things all all day, every day. They're thinking, even if they didn't have any of that input, our mode internally is to think the Mm -hmm. wrong things about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Even scripture says, apart from Jesus, our hearts are desperately wicked. We Mm -hmm. can't trust ourselves. So getting a part of a church family with like-minded believers that are going to speak into our kids' lives, telling them the same things that we're trying to tell them about who God is and how they fit in with that, and who God has made them to be uniquely, Sydney, like you've already talked about. That's super important. We are really doing something detrimental to our kids if we give them all these other activities Mm -hmm. and let their church family fall by the wayside, because we're losing this amazing input into our kids' lives of truth.
2: So, Sydney, this is where the rubber meets the road. (laughs) Can you tell us, as moms, how do we just begin to prepare our children for the body changes that they will have. (laughs) And I'm trying to, I'm trying to say that. So as, young girls. And because our bodies develop at such different Mm -hmm. ages, I was an early developer. And my mom actually took me to the pediatrician because she thought I'd fallen and I was swelling in different places, (laughs) if you know what I mean. (laughs) She was like, she's only eight. This can't be happening. So she was not mentally prepared for an eight-year-old to begin developing. And a year later to actually begin starting the process of becoming what later I would be a wife and a mom, if Mm -hmm. you know what I mean. I'm trying to talk code here. So
3: so I think like the important thing like from early on, and some people may disagree with that, but I think there's data to show that talking about our bodies pretty much like medically from an early Mm -hmm. age gives kids enough information so that they're not overly curious to go hunting out from the wrong source, basically. And also, if we're using correct terms for our bodies. Which I did not. (laughs) Right. But if then your child comes back with another word, Mm -hmm. that's a clue that maybe somebody is saying something to them, and then that can kind of indicate potentially abuse. So basically, what I'm saying is from the beginning, we want to be giving our kids bite size information about our Bodies, and as they get older, more and more. And it doesn't have to be an information dump. In fact, that's awkward. And they're not gonna absorb what we're saying. But we wanna be giving a little by little as we start to see changes and as they ask questions, you wanna be open to having this so just to be clear, we're talking about period, right? Well, now I'm talking about period. <laughs> yes, thank you. But I was <laughs> basically talking about before, like even talking about but even before I'm talking about with toddlers, you know, using the correct name for their anatomy. Right. Yeah. Because somebody who might so be, not not the wee wee. Wait, <laughs> no. I was like, not because, the hoo Because I'm oh going to tell you, I know we're we're all guilty of that, but I I'm going to tell you, you know, if somebody if your child comes with a different name for their body part, that is going to clue you in on who's talking to my children about their private parts, and this is a safety issue. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I. I mean, sorry. I'm going to say it. I recommend you say penis and vagina with your kids, right? No, because no Sydney. You know, an abuser, what we an abuser is not going to say that. Oh, that's we say not wiener and tutu.
1: There you go. That's okay. horrible. Sorry. We we talk a book. <laughs>
3: but see, I'm I'm done
1: with all but that. But that's now. okay. So it's I won't educate even educated. To my right. You've been
3: educated. <laughs> so what you want to talk about? periods. So one thing yes. I want to say is because you know girls kind of run the gamut on when they start menstruating, how much blood loss there is. It can be really sporadic or they can have really, really heavy periods. Nutritionally, I would focus on foods higher in iron and vitamin C so that their body can replace its stores. Mm. And moms, be aware of signs of anemia in your teenage girls. That can look like fatigue, shortness of breath during activity, depression, headache, irritability. What we have found in kids who are anemic or they're deficient in iron is it does affect their cognitive ability. So there was a study done on teenage girls, two groups, anemic and getting replacement iron for eight weeks and then anemic not getting replacement iron. And those who got the replacement significantly performed better on learning and memory. So it, it is kind of a big deal, that
0: nutritional deficiency. So how, how young can a girl – Start their period for moms. Say, yeah, get the moms prepared. Yes. because well, some moms may be yes. thinking, "Oh, well,
2: I was a late bloomer, yeah, so it's earlier." It's earlier. Would be able- it's earlier and earlier and okay. earlier.
3: Some kids, it's as young as eight. I mean, in rare cases, even younger than that. But oh, it's my. earlier and earlier. And then, even if your child is not the one. They probably have friends, Mm -hmm. right? And so we want to be sensitive to that and teach them
0: what's coming and that they need to be sensitive to their friends. So I like that you're sharing all this information because when I lived in Puerto Rico, I don't know if it's the way here, but I remember by the time we were like in third or fourth grade, this health advisor will come and literally handed everyone bags of pads, tampons, the pamphlets pamphlets and all this information. And I remember looking at myself, I'm like, what? What is all this? And then the boys are just playing with it, filling up with water, you know, and all that stuff. But then you as a girl, you're like getting this information. So if you parent are the one that give the information first, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're saying, like the little bites at a time. So when somebody else, even if it's good information or not information, they'll be ready they to what take to do it. With it. Yes. I, one thing I am going to say on on the period talk, don't
3: shy away from answering all the questions because I've gotten so many girls come in and they're just afraid to ask. And so their assumptions, I mean, it's so cute, but like so wrong. <laughs> and, you know, they do need to understand that it happens every month. Sometimes they think it's a one-time deal And that's alarming and that's scary. If you don't expect what's going to happen to your body, let's empower them to know what's going on. So, Kristen,
0: you were sharing um, with us (laughs) uh, what's the best way that we can introduce it
1: biblically, you know. So I like to always throw myself under the bus, Sydney, so that these moms (laughs) feel better about their parenting (laughs) skills when they hear how atrocious I am sometimes. But I was telling the ladies beforehand – That, you know, I've got two daughters, and so poor Anna Kate is like a guinea pig. And we took her on her girl trip where we talked to her about sex and all of that.
0: What what, was that, the girl trip?
1: So we did Passport to Purity, which is a Christian-based program that has some CDs involved, and it just helps parents navigate the The sex talks. And more than just that, like dating and Mm -hmm. body image and all of that, it's wonderful. But I made a huge mistake sitting in that I was afraid to talk to Anna Kate about periods because I didn't want to have to talk about sex yet. And she wasn't ready. So I kind of just lumped it all in there together. And so right before we went on the talk, I told her about periods. We were sitting this. okay, I'm not going to tell you where we were because then you'll be like, you stink. Get off the mom village. (laughs) But I told her real quick. One of the things we have done well is preparing them. We talk to them about periods and we take them to get like a little. Cutie bag yeah. and put some supplies in there, you know, yeah. like an extra pair of underwear, some little wipes or whatever, some pads, tamons, whatever you're going to do, a little thing of Advil. And it's like their big girl bag, you know, this yeah. is before they need it so that, cause we don't always know, right? Yeah. When, when where it's going to happen and you want them to feel prepared. But I told her that right before we went into Target <laughs> to buy her big girl bag. And then the next day I told her about sex and stuff. And it was just not, <laughs> not. <laughs> Sydney, Sydney, just Just so you ladies know, Sydney is shaking her head like (laughs) you are the worst. But I was afraid that it would open up a can of worms. And what I realized in doing all that with her was you can have this talk about period. You must have this talk about mm-hmm. periods before you're even thinking about having the sex talk. This is just, and how we say it is, this is just a natural way of God growing you up and making your body one more step to womanhood. It's yeah. We talk about a suitcase and it's just one more thing that you're packing in your suitcase, mm-hmm. getting ready for womanhood. And so, yes, they need to know about it early because of what you said. They don't, only run around with fellow Mm eight-year-olds, right? right? I mean, they're going to know people who are... ten. I mean, you're their mom, so they're going to see your stuff in the bathroom and ask if it's a popsicle or whatever, you know? (laughs) And so we want to start explaining these things about their body to them so that they trust that mom is not afraid to talk about this stuff Mm -hmm. and that mom is the best source so that they're not picking up what they think they know from a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old at school or on the internet or anywhere else, and then be afraid to go to mom because mom didn't have the guts to talk about it ahead of time. But can I just share a resource that Jonelle actually gave me, uh, Dr. Mahoney, just even talking way before you even... Worry about, you know, the changes and stuff in your body. There's a resource. I hope you still recommend this. It's by American Girl Doll, actually, the Care and Keeping of You. And they have Mm -hmm. part one, and you're shaking your head. Mm -hmm. Yes. Part one and part two. And it's called The Body Book for Girls. And it is the sweetest. Okay, you need to send me that. Okay, I'll send you that. We'll put it in the show notes. It's the sweetest approach to all of this. Don't you think, Sydney? It's very clear. Mm-hmm. It talks about deodorant. Yeah, hair. hygiene. Yeah. It's everything. not just about periods, mm-hmm. but it even shows like a cartoon drawing, so don't freak out, mom, but like little stages of breast development. But it's this sweet way of talking about the changes that are gonna happen. And sometimes we just need a handle. Moms just need a yeah. handle. Instead yeah. of just having these things floating around, it's got pictures, not of anything weird, but just,
3: <laughs> you know, drawings of what all of this looks like. Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, you want to be proactive and reactive in some of the scary conversations yeah. or what you deem to be scary because if kids hear something from someone else, they all have computers at their fingertips mm-hmm. and they're going to go looking for answers and you want the answers to come from you. Mm-hmm. And again, you want to you be the one that's knowledgeable and you want to be knowledgeable in their eyes. Yeah. I think it's
1: super, super important. Anything else we want to say about any of that?
0: So we don't have time to go that much in details, you know, and I know girls are more complex in terms of like all those details that we grow on in, in our bodies. But how about for boys, for moms that have boys, what's the age to expect it? In, and um, what should we expect? What I mean, should we with, expect? With girls,
2: We there's something physical
0: that we mm-hmm. see. Physical and visible. Yes. yes. So how about for boys in terms of age and what do we have to look for? Again, that's
3: varied as well. It's going to be – I think the average age is around 12 to 14 in boys. Sometimes it's a little earlier. Sometimes it's later. Usually you're going to see that intense hunger and then that height increase, body hair, voice changing, body odor, all of that. And again, I think it's the reinforcing that these things are normal because for some kids, this can be scary that their body is changing and their minds are changing they're having these surge of hormones and they can have really intense emotions. And sometimes they think they're going crazy. And I like to tell kids like, it's okay. Everybody has gone through these changes. Your parents have gone through these changes. You're not always going to feel so intense, but it's important to ask questions and talk about those feelings if you're Mm -hmm. having them. And that's, you know, can be the case with boys, especially. Mm -hmm. One other thing that I do want to mention that parents of teens need to be looking for, and I know this is kind of a hard topic for some people, but that's eating disorders. Mm -hmm. You know, Just like anything with kids, early intervention is going to have the best outcomes. So if you notice that your child is wanting to diet and they're in normal weight, I would be a little bit suspicious. There's a study that shows that teenage girls who diet at moderate level are 5 to 18 times more likely to develop an eating disorder. If you've suffered from an eating disorder, you know this is not like just temporary. This is a lifelong battle that's really hard for these patients and for their families. So, you know, we want to make sure we're having an eye out for that so that we can help them early. Other signs might be if they're excluding specific food groups. So if your child's like, well, I'm not going to eat dairy anymore, that in and of itself might be okay. But if it's evolving and then all of a sudden they're not eating gluten and they're not eating this and they're not eating that, I would be concerned if they're skipping meals, if they're fasting. If they're binge eating, so eating disorders are not just anorexia and bulimia, but binge eating, they can starve themselves all day and then late at night eat excessive amounts of calories. And a lot of times they'll even do it after their parents are asleep. That's not something that, you know, we want to let go unchecked. If they start to be uncomfortable eating around other people, like sometimes they'll refuse to have meals with other people, or you might see a decrease in relationship with friends. These are all warning signs. Mm-hmm. And Sydney, is that exclusive
2: to our daughters? No,
3: boys too. Okay. It's more common in girls, but I all of these things I would be mindful of in girls and boys.
1: Hey, before we sign off, can we talk real quick about screen time? Can we talk about how screen time effects, maybe even what you were just talking about with eating disorders, but also just nutrition in Mm -hmm. general.
3: So again, going back to, you know, what are we feeding our minds? What are the images that we're seeing and Mm -hmm. how is that guiding how we feel about ourselves? One thing that I see a lot specifically with boys is they really enjoy video games and I'm not going to demonize video games. Some of the benefits are that When they're gaming with other people, they are socializing, and sometimes there's a parent that might enjoy gaming, and that's something that they can do together. That's a good thing. But when you're having to be on your kid about getting off of the video game and they're having a very emotional response, I think that it's time to pull back a lot or maybe even do a fast from it, phones are we allowing our kids to spend excessive amount of times on their phone? And are they going to bed with it? I mean, I can't see a reason that your child should Mm -hmm. have their phone in their bedroom. Nobody is calling them for an emergency in the middle of the night. And even if your kid is mature enough to regulate their time, their friends could be texting them at all hours. And this goes back to interrupted sleep. And also if they're struggling to fall asleep, I would say no screens Mm -hmm. an hour before bedtime, because this is basic sleep hygiene. We want to help our bodies relax and wind down. And another thing with screens, whether it's TV or video games or the internet, is a lot of time that's an opportunity to be snacking. And mm. when we're doing mindless eating, we're not listening to our bodies and stopping when we're full. So these are some things
0: you know to consider. Sydney, so much helpful information. My God, I'm taking notes, taking pictures. And it all goes back again, how you mentioned at the beginning, you know, like, what are we doing to kind of model that? Because you were talking about screen time and going... And we're guilty of Mm -hmm. that. We do that all the time. We go back and we lay down in our bed with our phones and we're so guilty. So we're the first ones. Raising my hand right Mm -hmm. here. So why are we modeling for our kids that that's okay for us to do it even though we tell them not to do it and we don't sleep well and then they see us that even though we're saying the opposite to them. Mm -hmm. So checking myself as well with all this great information Sydney thank you so much for coming so much great information thank you village for always listening and we're gonna sign off this has been Raising Healthy Kids and the ladies are gonna say goodbye ready ladies one two three Bye. Bye. bye